For your Emmy consideration, HBO presents Succession, nominated for 27 Emmys, including Outstanding Drama Series and Outstanding Writing for a Drama Series. Don't miss the series critics call the end-all, be-all of TV. Succession is now streaming on Max. Welcome to In the Envelope, a podcast from Backstage, the one-stop shop for actors and creators both above and below the line. I am your host, Vinny Mancuso, Backstage Senior Editor and Professional Entertainment Obsessive. I'll be your guide through every corner of the creative industry with the help of some of your favorite stars. Here you'll find intimate, in-depth talks with today's most award-worthy names in film, television, and theater. Along the way, we'll get advice on living your best creative life, relatable stories of the highest highs and lowest lows, and maybe, just maybe, a rare peak in the envelope. It's about homework. If you're going to do medical jargon, you better know what it is that you're talking about. Or people who don't look up pronunciations of words. And you want to go like, everybody's here. How long would it have taken to realize how to say Potomac? And those things, just, I think, just ding you as not doing the work. Everybody likes to see people who put in the work. Welcome to In the Envelope, the Actors Podcast. I am your host, Backstage Senior Editor, Vinny Mancuso. And joining us today is probably the person most responsible for the Ryan Murphy TV universe who isn't also named Ryan Murphy. I am talking, of course, of casting director Eric Dawson. Along with his associates, Carol Kritzer and Robert J. Ulrich, Eric's been casting with Ryan Murphy since the late 90s, which means he's cast Glee, he's cast every season of American Horror Story, he's cast Feud, and he cast Netflix's Dahmer Monster, The Jeffrey Dahmer Story, which just earned him his eighth Emmy nomination. If you're not a fan of the Murphy universe, uh, well, Eric also cast Supernatural, a show that ran a very casual 15 seasons. So good job there, Eric. Uh, Eric also cast The Boys on Amazon. Uh, so thank you, Eric and team, for Carl Urban as Billy Butcher. Basically, if you're an actor who wants an inside look at the casting process and wants to know how much has to happen for your self-tape to outlast the hundreds of thousands of other self-tapes, well, this is a great conversation for you. Uh, Eric has been doing this a long, long time, and he's seen the casting process change and grow and evolve immensely over the years. And he was just so gracious with his time and all the advice he offers to actors who just want this whole casting and audition thing uh, demystified a bit. Now, of course, if you are one of those actors listening right now, uh, you also know that SAG-AFTRA is still on strike as of today, August 24th. Uh, hopefully this deal can get done soon, actors can get back to work, and put the advice from this podcast into practice. Uh, but for now, there are resources for you on Backstage.com, or you can go right to the source at SAGAFTRASTRIKE.ORG. Uh, with that said, let's get right into a lovely, lovely chat with an industry insider who has seen it all. Here is Eric Dawson. 
How's it going? Thank you so much for being here. Such an honor to be invited and uh, excited to, to spend this time with you. Yeah, it's a pleasure to meet you. And uh, I, I, I especially have to say thank you for coming on at this uh, very interesting time in Hollywood. Uh, it's uh, We are at a bit of a standstill, I guess you could call it. But I do want to ask you as someone who's, you know, you've been doing this since late 80s, early 90s? 86. Uh, 86. 86. Yes. I'm curious, you know, in that time, as we sit in this sort of strange time in Hollywood, from your perspective as someone specifically doing what you do, how the nature of the audition, the casting process has changed the most in that time, uh, get to where we are right now. I guess in scope, you know, it, it used to be you'd get a pilot and you sort of round up all the usual suspects and bring them in a room. And it seemed like there was a pretty finite number of people. And occasionally you got really wild and you went international to like Canada. <laughs> you know, yeah, you went real crazy. You went <laughs> crazy. You're like, hey, man, somebody in Canada do this? Or, or you know, even like if you start looking and should you do a Chicago search or things like that. And everyone used to come to LA for pilot season. And then that all changed and we just cast the world now. And it's fantastic because you have so much more exposure to actors everywhere and um but it, at times it's daunting because the, the numbers are are so big and um and you sort of feel like you could you could never stop i mean that that the, there's just so many people and um and i just feel also that people have really actors have really taken seriously their american accents and so the accents <sighs> are just just fantastic anymore. And also we're more open to having people that are accented on shows. So it really, it really mm -hmm. has, has opened that up tremendously. It's such a interesting thing that, because you know, the, the questions of around self tapes and you know, like how much it's democratized sort of, you know, the acting industry where you mentioned that people used to always come to LA for pilot season. Um, but it's almost like that's not, or it's getting to a point where that's not quite necessary anymore. Um, and you can kind of be an actor from wherever. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure where this all plays out at the end because so much of my 35 years or whatever was getting, was being in rooms with people and meeting people and, and playing with the material together and, and not just actors, but the directors and the producers and the, and the writers. And as that's all stepped away, we've made it work. And there's some things, like I said, all of a sudden you have great volume. You never see bad auditions anymore. You don't show bad auditions. Yeah, that's interesting. It used to be someone would come in who was great, and I would spend half my time saying, but they're really great. This just wasn't a great audition. Um, we don't do that anymore because we don't forward anything that would hurt somebody. We'll go back and say, do it again, do this, give some notes. But like I said, so I, it's it's fixable for this period, but I don't know how casting directors, actors, producers, are, you, you know, have get relationships and learn about each other and you take somebody like Ryan Murphy, we were his first casting directors. And I think that he has a wonderful casting guy, but he, but we did it together and we learned from each other and he saw how it worked. And, and, um, he certainly, like I said, is, is super talented, but, but it's all a process. And so I'm not sure the next Ryan Murphy's of the world sitting at home making judgments and not having the conversations. And I think so often it's the conversation. And that's that's what I miss the most is the conversations. You know, you get done and very rarely does everybody agree about everything. And so then you start talking about things and that opens you up about ideas about this and how does this change this? And you're doing a mosaic. And and it's it's hard when everyone's in their own homes 
and trying to make decisions and send in their things. And so anyway, I think I think that's the loss. Absolutely, and I can imagine that you know when you're when you're watching a audition performance or you're you're watching somebody's you know sides or something like that. There is something that you might only be able to see in person in the room, and it might that might get lost in translation over the like how have you sort of had to change the way you watch performances or watch auditions because they're not in the room yeah and i think it 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 actually goes both ways it used to be interesting there were people that were so great in the room Mm -hmm. because they really knew how to work the room or somehow they got people laughing a little bit at the beginning and then there was a very receptive room and then you'd go back later and watch the tape and the tape wasn't that great <laughs> and then mm-hmm. there's always the argument what's more important what happens in the room or what happens on the tape because ultimately it's going to be on film and so there was always always that um that disagreement or whatever about what was more important but i think the hardiness part for me is to stay engaged in somebody that maybe gets off on the wrong foot or isn't very interesting mm-hmm. at the beginning of the audition or I don't, for whatever reason, it's not clicking. When you're live, you're sitting through the whole thing, right? And when you're on tape, there's there's a tendency to sort of go, if somebody's wrong, I'm not going to spend 15 minutes, you know, going down that, um, that tape. And so that's just, you know, I just have to keep reminding myself to, to just stick with it and, and, uh, and not just give up. Absolutely. But would you say that, you know, something to keep in mind for actors, you know, any actors listening to this is, is to really prioritize that first, I don't know, 10 seconds. (laughs) You want the beginning to be strong. You know, I mean, I I think that regardless if you're in the room or on tape, you you always got to start out strong. But like I said, I do, it is amazing how, you know, actors are sending us things they feel really good about, you know? And so most actors aren't sending us uh, something where they're stumbling around the first scene. You know, they, they've done it enough times and, and they, they've sort of figured it out. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's a different time. Like I said, we've certainly made it work and there's things that are incredible. You know, Dahmer was completely off of tape and that was the first mm-hmm. time as we were doing it because it was very early on in the pandemic and people hadn't quite figured out their home yeah, the setup, setup and, and the, the light and, and lighting all that sort yeah. of stuff. And, and we were getting it from all over the world. And some of them were really dicey and hard to see. And they were doing it, you know, and we were trying to figure it out and they didn't know how to download it and upload. And, and it, so it was, it was a tricky one. And, um, but I think everyone's gotten much better at it now. But I, you know, I, I read things about like, you know, the, how you need to have perfect lighting and all this sort of stuff. I don't think that's true at all. I, I think that iPhones are great, and we've certainly hired a lot of people off of less than stellar phones. Yeah, I, we we just had uh, Bella Ramsey from The Last of Us on the podcast, and they were saying how um, you know they got this part through a self tape that they filmed in their attic. <laughs> you know, like their mom was reading uh, the the lines. It, it 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 is it is this this strange thing where it doesn't quite matter what it looks like next to like what they're doing on the tape you know I, I'm, I'm curious like your thoughts like what are you looking for in the self-tape you know like if it isn't the production value if it isn't the perfect lighting what does make a memorable self yeah i mean and i think every role is different obviously if, if i'm doing jeffrey dahmer or if i'm doing one of the historic if i'm doing you know reverend jesse jackson obviously the physical becomes you know the most important thing um I wish I, I I wish I could say the one thing, but talent talent <laughs> is just so incredible when you see it. And you know, I, I sit and, and and you know watch other people's shows and stuff. I just get so excited when I when I watch 
people who just immensely talented with great voices and have really mapped out these beautiful scenes. And still 35 years later, I still like scream at the television when I, when somebody's great and I just go, Oh, that's just, that's just, you know, fantastic to watch. And, um, and when it's not, I also scream at the phone, (laughs) 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 but, but you know, it's obviously it's a look on certain things. You, You know, if it depends what you're doing, you know, when, when you're doing, you know, we've done Melrose Place, you know, shows for Aaron Spelling. And I think as a casting director, you have to know the show you're doing, you know? And it's different when we're doing American Horror Story versus Dahmer, what we were looking for. Not only like in American Horror Story, we mean won a lot of name value, and that's a big deal. In Dahmer, we didn't care about name value because we thought the story was really the star of the show and we wanted to be sensitive to that. So I do think it changes every week and and um and every role and you know we're always trying to flip things too it's like ryan is really good as far as that we've been doing this since 1999 together in 1990 and he doesn't tend to give me a lot of description about characters i mean occasionally if it's something that he but most of it he just says you know go do your here, you know this is the role go do your thing or you get the script and you go do your thing And, and the one thing i've always enjoyed is that I don't need to send him five of the same things, right? And it's like, so what What happens if we go older? What happens if we go with a female? What happens if we go less character? Whatever, if we completely, and and I think that's what he appreciates because he doesn't need to watch seven actors who are all of the same sort of type doing the same material. He leaves, he, he believes, oh, I'm going to send him as talented. So then it's like, how does this change story? And I and I think that's one of my favorite things about casting is like how do how do my choices change the story and inform what we're doing and that gets super exciting to me. Absolutely, that's that's really fascinating in the way that you know as soon as you you decide on the person who's playing the part, so much ripples from that. You know that that is you know that that would that would affect you know co-stars that would affect the reactions in a scene and that that all starts with you have two people. They might be different. Let's go with the person on the right. And that's and that's hard too because we we put so much thought into this this mosaic or whatever it is that we're creating. And you so so if this is the big piece, I mean, you know, I always some you know I say sometimes like I'm an interior designer. I have like a sofa, some chairs, and then I throw pillows around, you know. But it starts with the sofa, you know. And and sometimes when you have casting by committee, thankfully with Ryan we don't do that. Um, but we have casting by committee people start chiming in about this character and it starts throwing out the whole the whole balance of what you're trying to get from the scene and and maybe somebody has a very little role and so maybe that look is super important or maybe that voice is different and if you know if you have a couple of tubas you don't want another tuba you want to try you know so you're doing all those things with voices and faces and types and and you know sometimes it's about height you know it's like as Dahmer, you know, Dahmer was sort of a big, sort of imposing guy to a lot of these guys. Is that we we had to think about that as well, you know? Yeah. So before we dive specifically into Dahmer, I would be remiss in not mentioning that we are recording this uh, in the middle of uh, Barbie taking over the box office. I do believe I saw you say uh, Margot Robbie came in to read for you for American Horror Story Asylum. Yes. Um, I'm, I'm curious. You know, obviously she has gone on to to great heights. Is there something, even when the person doesn't get the part, or they might not be right for the part, is there something that 
and maybe it's something intangible, but is there, there like an it factor? Is there something you, you recognize where you're just like, well, that person isn't right for this, but they're going to be right for a lot of other things. Margot has a lot of it factors going on. <laughs> um, yes. And then, like I said, I think that's the tough thing for, for casting directors who aren't in the room with these people. And, and I mean, Margot is like probably one of my favorite auditions of all time. And it was right before she, she broke out and it was for um, American Horror Story uh, Asylum. And she was just such a star. It was just, it was just crazy. Her star appeal, and then when she walked in the room, it, and then her voice, everything about it. And and even though she didn't end up getting that role, that was like one of those things. As a casting director, you go, "This is a star. We're, what 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 do we do with her?" You know. And then immediately she started just boom, 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 and she was out of out of our sort of <laughs> you know realm of possibility of hiring but that's that's really the, the fun part of, of casting is is seeing the people who just like rising their careers are just rising is, is there um like is is there sort of do you have that in the back of your head or do you have an actual list of like let's keep this <laughs> like do you, is, is there like a folder yes. on your computer well you know it's funny because when i started there was no imdb there was no internet searches and so i had millions of of um of notebooks i mean in every movie i'd go to i got really good in film school learning how to write in the dark in the movie theater and notes oh, yeah. and so i every movie i went to <laughs> my dates used to love it <laughs> so, right I, in the credits i'm writing and doing this i'm writing down names at the end of the movie i'm trying to put it all together you know i used to watch la law every day um it was it was syndicated and i would see who they were casting as i thought the casting that bob harvin was doing on that show was really good when i was just starting out and so i was seeing who he was hiring and i really had attacked it like like somebody studying for like a medical degree or something is I just realized I, there were just thousands and thousands of actors to learn. And I was given a show at a very young age and I had a lot to make up. And so we did that. And then we used to have a million piles of pictures, right? Our, our biggest room in our office was our submission room. And then all of us had just walls of like middle-aged, you know, character actors, older, you know, leading actresses. And so we had all these piles and then slowly the pictures all started to disappear. But I still have all my original books. I always said that the the delineation between young and old was always my age. <laughs> <laughs> so as I got older, my 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 list changed. So now you can be a you know a young leading man and still be you know sixty. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love that. I I'm I'm a big proponent of uh, of notebooks of filling notebooks until they're embarrassingly uh, just tattered. But now it's a note app. Now it's a note app. We also just had the really fortunate situation of having a big team. And so, you know, I would be looking for a very specific type and I would be going through all my notes. I would go through my submissions. I couldn't find it. And I would go into Robert's office or Carol's office or Eric Solier's or whoever and go, has anybody cast this, this, or this thing? And they go, we just did it on so-and-so. And then you get to see their notes and then later because everything was on tape it was great you could actually they could say a name and you could watch their audition you know and so all of a sudden we had access to million because of the size of our company we had just thousands and thousands and thousands of auditions that we could watch and so the people you didn't know as well you could you could get very educated on them you know without them even knowing it just by watching it and i find I'd, auditions to be more informative than someone's real 
because a reel is very polished and you know things yeah. but an audition is pretty pretty naked yeah you can't it's 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 you, you don't get much more vulnerable than an audition <laughs> audition room it's and i really feel like you really see what somebody looks like what they're at and and a lot of times reels are like you know just moments 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 and to be able to see full scenes really really done you know from from beginning to end was, was super beneficial to me absolutely so Dahmer, the, the the thing I found extremely interesting about what you've said about casting it is that Evan Peters was not available. Yes. Uh, and you saw, I, I don't, I, I think I wrote this down right. You saw about 700 other, other Dahmers. I, I know uh, we saw over, I know we saw over 400. It was somewhere between like four, you know, the tapes were just rolling in. And because basically at that point we were open to, to, to anybody, you know, and, um, it, a discovery would have been been great as well, and um, so we were having people who were very well known to people that weren't known at all from all over the world putting themselves on tape, and and that was all I was doing. So it was a fortunate time. It was at the very beginning of the pandemic, and and Ryan called and he said, you know, let's do this search. On the very first conversation, we talked about Evan, but Evan was doing American Horror Story in the East Coast, and so while it was a possibility, it wasn't a great way to go just because of what it would do to the shows. And so we set out to to find um, people, and <laughs> it was it was a dark month for me watching all those tapes. I have to say, it was it was um, not a lot. It's a lot of Dahmers. It's a lot of Dahmers. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of those glasses. <laughs> Everybody seemed to find those glasses, which was kind of funny. But anyway, we had we. I think I I got it down to to Ryan around 10 people or so, or we watched the 10 people and we sort of narrowed it down a few more. And then we started having the conversations about, okay, what, what would happen if we were to approach And at that time we had already um, hired Richard Jenkins as the father. So we had one, one person in place. And uh, anyway, so then Ryan had the conversations with Evan, talked to Evan about it and um, it certainly turned out great. Absolutely. Um, when you, narrow it down like you said from hundreds to a, a small pool of around 10 i i have to assume that the the notes and the things that that are pros and cons get a lot more specific you know like it's it's, it's it gets much more of a, a minute process so i'm curious you know when you have that very small pool 10 five people what are those conversations like where it's like you know how do you differentiate between that that's much smaller pool the conversations with you with with ryan or with conversations with myself <laughs> honestly both because I'm, I'm curious like how you then what you do and then how you decide what you then bring to the next step so i i have i do three piles when i watch one is not right one is possibly right and one is right and so my not right is the biggest one and then the one because i what i try not to do on a on a role like this is just belabor one person too long is like especially at the beginning as you're knowing you have hundreds to go is i don't want to spend 30 minutes thinking about somebody for now i'll spend you know five minutes thinking about them and then like if i'm not sure they go in the middle pile to be rewatched again and and then i and then i write notes all over my session sheets i'm still old school i do handwritten notes and just my first impressions thoughts stars and then i go through and i highlight and and at that time and i probably wouldn't do it now like that but i had everybody's headshot and resume printed out because i wanted to watch 
see the credits, look at the face, you know, do all that sort of stuff. It's gotten harder to do that now, but I was still weaning myself off of, of paper. And, um, but you know, it's, it's important, obviously the training, the backgrounds the like, and a lot of times you, you're looking at somebody and you go, is that an accent I'm hearing? So you're immediately going to their resume and going, you know, where are their credits from? Who are they? You know, that sort of stuff. So anyway, so that's, that's the first step is just my three piles and lots of notes. And then I try on this because Ryan gave me like a month or a month and a half, I think, to just do searches. I just tried every day to see a certain amount so that I didn't overload and miss anything and feel like I had to rush through auditions. And I was really good about, there are certainly, I think there was three scenes that we were doing and there were moments in every scene that were very important to me. So, you know, I would rewatch those moments and see how those moments worked. And then, and then you start just narrowing, narrowing. Yeah. And then again, I, you know, you start. Dahmer was a little different, and it, it sort of was three of the same or ten of the same because it did have to sort of, you know, I couldn't throw in a female or an older person or younger. I mean, you know, I was casting, you know, a real physical type. So, and then there was people who I just thought the look was fantastic, but the acting wasn't there. And so then you go back to those people's agents, and you go. Let's take another shot. I think they need to do this, this, and then you watch again and you sort of go, you know, did they get there or did they not get there? For your Emmy consideration, HBO presents Barry, nominated for 11 Emmys, including Outstanding Comedy Series and Outstanding Lead Actor in a Comedy Series for Bill Hader. Don't miss the series critics call brilliant and dazzling. Barry is now streaming on Max. It's so fascinating to me the amount of factors that have to happen for one person to get a role. And it's it's I, I think it's very illuminating for actors to hear because, you know, the, whenever I talk to um, older actors and I ask them what advice they would have for their younger self, I would say 90% of the time the answer is don't take it personally. They always say that if you go in the audition room, there's a good chance you didn't get the role because of your height or it just wasn't right or it just didn't fit and I, I i hearing it from somebody who's been casting for so long is always just so fascinating to me because it's 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 so many things that go into finding one person out of however many hundred you got no it is amazing the process you go through and the number of people you go through and and i think that as a casting director your memory and being able to remember i mean i probably if you looked at my favorite thousand actors out of my career, probably 990 of them didn't get hired on the first time I saw them, you know? But what they did is they became part of our world, you know? And and then you have the people who just, you know, we've, we put in everything because we, we just fall in love with their talent or their work ethic or, or whatever it is. And, and uh, but, but yeah, it's, obviously they're, they reflect on you, but you want to put people in the, in the room, on the set, who are fun to play with, who, you know, you're you're not going to get the call about. You never want to get the call. <laughs> Guess what your actor did? <laughs> so they become your actor when they do something that's 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 not. <laughs> yeah. So you just you get clues as you in the audition room as you are giving people notes and how they're taking the notes and and how they're listening. If, if those are people that you want to put on the set and spend eight to ten hours a day with. So once you did make the decision, you know, after all this, you know, we're going to go to, to, we're going to approach Evan. 
did he did he then audition? Was was, oh, was he brought into the audition or was it an offer? It was an offer. And it started off just with a conversation. So Ryan called him and just had a discussion and and told him about the project a little bit and explained uh, that it was not going to be a gory show. It was going to be from the victim's point of view and, and it was going to be very sensitive to the material. And um, so Ryan or Ryan said, go away, think about it, call me, we'll answer questions. Um, I think he sent him some scripts at that time. I think we had the first script maybe. Um, and then Evan came back and said he was interested and we started having conversations. We started to figure out how do we take a guy who's starring in American Horror Story in Massachusetts <laughs> and we're trying to shoot Dahmer at LA and he's in every scene basically in Dahmer. How does this look? And especially during the pandemic when you couldn't get on flights and everything without being tested. And, and um, so ultimately we made the deal they sort of ended his role on Horror Story a little quicker and shot him out and got him out here. And that way he was able to focus on one thing. It would have been really hard for the space that Evan needed to be in to play Dahmer, to be playing this this gay playwright in, at the same time in, in the Horror Story. So it was great. And, and I'm so glad that we, we made that decision. And I think that's I just take my hat off to Ryan. I think most producers would go, that's a non-starter, you know, somebody not being available. That doesn't tend to get in the way for Ryan. He makes things work. He realizes that who you hire is about the most important thing you can do in a, in a process. And so he doesn't doesn't tend to to give up easily. I know this is this question is uh, towing the line between getting uh, two, two in the weeds, but did, was there a firm backup plan? <laughs> did, did, was there somebody that <laughs> you never, decided on? never a backup plan with Ryan. There really is. <laughs> and and it, it, I've, I've found over the years, it's not even good to discuss a backup plan because until you need the backup, he probably doesn't want to hear about it. And yeah. so we had, we had people we liked, but what we hadn't done is sort of gone. I think we had about four or five that were sort of like, okay, these are guys that we can make it with. Let's deal with Evan. And it's, so, it's sort of not unlike my my own process where, you know, you have a pile, let's go after the one you want. And then if that doesn't work, let's come back to this select group of, they were terrific. And we could have made it with, with several of them. Again, we made the right decision, obviously. And, and especially Evan knew our world. He, you know, it's just, it's easy to communicate with him. It was just, you know, it was like family. I, I believe Nisi Nash also did not audition. She was someone that he brought in. I mean, she's obviously, again, another person who's in the sort of the Ryan Murphy uh, uh, universe. I, I'm curious when you have somebody who, who you just know is going to be in a role, does that affect sort of how you build? Like, does, How much does that factor into the people that you're building around her. So say you you know you have Nisi Nash, and then you're casting people who will be interacting with her. How much does that sort of factor in? Well, it obviously it it does a lot in. But you know, even like Nisi, uh, like when we went to hire her, she had we would go all the way. I think back to Popular in the 1990s when she played a woman in a lobster suit for us, um, and um, we've hired her a lot. And even my business partner has the wrong rookie feds right now. So we we knew her talent was just immense. But even when we went to hire her, she was tied to a show. She had a, another show that she was in development. So again, she wasn't really available. So you're as a casting director, you never put all your eggs in one basket when things are moving, right? And so like I knew we wanted Nisi. Nisi had all these hurdles, 
So what do you do? You have to figure out somebody as a backup and you may never present that, but that that's always moving forward. And you, you just never can count on it because until they're on the set, you have to, you have to do all that. But then when you have Nisi, then like I said, then it's like, okay, so we have that. So how do we build out? And, and, um, you know, most of her stuff was with what the beginning was with Evan, you know, so that we didn't have to build out her world quite as much, you know, some of the later shows, you know, her big shows were shown at the end. Um, and so we, when we were auditioning and, and thinking of people, we just had the, the preliminary episodes where she was not as heavy. I think she, her, I think her biggest episode was episode six or seven, which wasn't written when we hired. In terms of the roles that, um, that did come from, you know, auditions and then several rounds of them, when you think about the, the process of casting Dahmer, is there a particular audition that sticks out? Is there somebody that surprised you? Is there somebody that, you know, that sort of went against maybe what you're looking for? I, I always find it interesting to sort of hear what audition got the role. You know what I mean? Like, is there anything that that, that stuck out to you? Or certainly, I, I think we had like four people out of the 250 um, who were offers, which is really different than most Ryan shows. We're usually making a lot of offers and getting a lot of star talent. And like I said, this wasn't imp- as important. So it was Richard Jenkins and it was Evan and Nisi and, and uh, I think uh, Delon Burnside was the other one. Um, but like Molly Ringwald was super fun to watch her audition. And I think that was in her attic. <laughs> um, and it was like with an iPhone and not with great lighting or anything. And, and so that was great fun. And I, I also just thought it was nice that she would just put herself on tape. She wanted to be part of our world. It was the same Penelope Ann Miller, somebody who I'd never worked with before, but was a huge fan of and and somehow was not part of our Ryan Murphy world. And we brought her in and she was terrific. I mean, she's just so talented. That was one of those, you just go, oh, she's just so talented. We'd be so lucky. And then of course, with both of those, again, you then have to figure out the schedules. Penelope was very busy. We were sort of all over the place with those characters when they were going to work. And so I think from the time that Penelope auditioned to when we really closed her deal was over a month and maybe a month and a half because um, they really were trying to figure out when we were going to shoot that material. So during that time, you can't rest as a casting director. So you're still keeping the backups in line and doing all that sort of stuff. You, like I said, you just can never be caught without having an option. This question <laughs> might be a, a very broad thing to think about because the whole thing with the Ryan Murphy, you know, everything he's done is, um, you know, no show is the same. No, no, no season is the same. No character is the same. The people that you cast is such a wide net of diversity. But if somebody, if a backstage, somebody who listens to this or who subscribes to backstage asks themselves, you know, how to audition for a Ryan Murphy show, is there anything that you could give them? Any nugget that would that would apply to the idea of auditioning for a Ryan Murphy show? <laughs> I don't know if there's something that that jumps out to him as far. You, you know what I think is actually sort of nice, and he and he does watch is is I think that a little thing at the thirty seconds most at the beginning to say something important about maybe something about yourself or something about the shows he does or something about the character that you're reading for or something just just a personal moment. And like I said, probably not more than. 15 or 20 or 30 seconds. But I think sometimes that's important. You sort of just see the person for a second and you get engaged with the person or a, a little snippet or story. And and I think that sometimes that's worked worked really well. I know like Michael Learned, who played the mother uh, 
Evan's mother on the show, she taped and she was friends with Sarah Paulson. She told a little funny Sarah Paulson story at the beginning. And I think that Ryan enjoyed that. And um, anyway, so I think, I think, like I said, nothing too big, but just a little bit of your personality since we're not in the room anymore. So it's, it's nice to see the person. Absolutely. I do want to, as we sort of round down here, I do want to get some more, let's say broad uh, advice because you're somebody who, who has been in the casting game for so long. I, I, I assume that you've seen everything. <laughs> you've, uh, you, you, you just sort of know the ins and outs of it. And I think casting and auditions and stuff like that is, is still kind of an elusive concept for a lot of, you know, aspiring actors or people who don't quite know what it is to be in the room or on a self-tape. Um, so I guess just the way to start into that is when you're casting nowadays, is there anything that you wish you saw more of or, or something that, that you kind of either miss from a while ago or something that just actors just don't think about when they're in the room or on tape? I used to have so many so many notes. It's just changed so much not having people in the room that so many of my my things were like always hold your side. So if you get so if you get messed up that you're there and you're not going across the room to pick up the sides, you know, don't touch me, you know, the reader. I mean there's there there is a million things that you know like you you can't I used to say and and so maybe we're going to go back to our room at some point. But I always thought that you had a couple of runs to do a scene, but you can't go back a third time. You know, like if you mess up, there is there is a moment where you just had to plow through. You know, there there's always the, the things like you have to understand what you're saying. That used to it's it's about homework. And like if you're going to do medical jargon, you better know what it is that you're talking about, or it just becomes up as gobbledygook. And and you have to or or people who who don't look up pronunciations of words, and you want to go like everybody's here. How long would it have taken to realize? how to say Potomac, you know, it's like it, and those things is, I think just ding you as, as not doing the work. And I think everybody likes to see people who put in the work, you know, people would come in sometimes and go, you know, I only had time to prepare one scene, so I'll do that and tell me what, you know, it, it just sort of gets you off on the wrong foot. Yeah. It kind of goes back to, you know, something you mentioned before is just, you know, you're looking at so many people. Yeah. Um, why take yourself out of the race by not doing the homework? Why? Why? The least you can do is is prepare, basically. Yeah, it's like I used to say it was sort of like American Idol. It's like all those people are, when they get to a certain point, are all super talented. So what separates you from the group? You know what? What is it you can do? And a lot of times it is that extra three percent. I mean, somehow you choose somebody and you don't choose somebody. So what is that difference going to be? You know, and so if you're coming in to read for the role of a CEO at a bank and you choose to come in in a t-shirt and not shaved and your hair a mess, sure, should we be able to get over that? We should. But if somebody comes in and gives your same performance and they really have taken the time and looked the part and you can see it and you also know that when you send it to the studio and network, you're not going to get a note that somebody goes, does he look like a CEO? I mean, it just makes it easier. You know, and I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that you should dress in uniforms or things like that, but I think you should dress in like the socioeconomic sort of range of what you're auditioning for. If if you're coming in to play somebody, a sexy person at a nightclub or whatever, and you come in in a sweatshirt that, you know, versus like coming in in what you would wear if you were going to a nightclub, I think all those things help. I love that. In, in terms of like, there's something that I think actors hear a lot of when you, you sort of break down this audition advice. Um, something they hear a lot of is uh, you want to make strong choices in the room. 
how would how do you define a strong choice? It, I, again, I, I know I'm asking a lot of very broad questions, and it's okay if you sort of have to narrow it down to to one specific thing because there is it's not rocket science. There's no exact science to it. And it's all, and, and believe me, I've seen so many really bad strong choices, you know. And <laughs> yeah. so they have to be strong, smart choices. And again, I think that just goes. You know, there's. I used to get frustrated with people who would come in on shows that had been on the air for a long time and they came in they go well i've never seen your show before is this a comedy is it a drama what's the style and you sort of go like you got the audition many days ago we're not here to explain it to you at the moment and how are you going to process this in the next 30 seconds you know this is what you should have been doing for the last few days and and so again going back to homework and especially now when you can see anything on the internet. I mean, any show you can go and watch a clip and you get a sense. And, and you know, like I said, we you would, especially when we were doing shows that were very different from like a Botchko show to a, to a spelling show, very different styles. And the actors who knew the styles were the ones who were booking the roles. And the people who came in and didn't know the styles are just getting sort of lost in the middle, you know? You mentioned sort of, you know, doing different things for different kinds of shows. Um, when you think of something like Dahmer compared to something, uh, other things you've done like uh, The Boys or uh, Supernatural, where you, you you don't know going in how long they're going to last, but these, these shows do last a long time. Is there a difference when you're looking to cast for longevity versus something like Dahmer, where you know that it's going to be a contained, very specific performance? You know, I... I don't think there probably is. I think you're, you're trying to hire the best person available at that moment. Your budgets are different sometimes. You know, obviously, if you're season seven of The Mentalist, you're you're probably not looking at names. And if you're on season seven of American Horror Story, you're looking at a different, just a different level of actor. So like I said, it, and, and that's your job as a casting director is like, what's available to me? What's the best I can do with the resources I have? And the, you know, Molly Ringwald isn't going to read for every show in the world. And so when you're doing a show like Feud or Dahmer, you realize the stakes are a little higher and you have better access. And so you just, I guess you do, you you just reach a little higher, you know, and you're always trying to reach a little higher. And obviously with Dahmer, I think we knew we had something so special and that we, we put so much thought in. <laughs> I think we had like 240 roles and none of them were throwaway throwaway roles for us. They were all like so important. Well, I think I think the right choices were <laughs> were made when you look at the final product. Again, thank you so much for being here. Before we let you go, um, I do want to just ask because as I've mentioned, so many people that listen to this show are aspiring, very early career actors. And I think Nobody, nothing makes actors more nervous than the audition process. So I'm, I'm, I just want to hear from you, you know, established casting director, actors who are especially nervous about auditions. What should they know? What should, what is something they can keep in the back of their head that would just sort of not get rid of it, but alleviate it a bit? I mean, I, I think the the main thing is that we want you to be good, and everyone's pulling for you to be good, and everybody's nervous, and. I don't know, but I also think that you become less nervous the more prepared you are. I, I keep coming back to the preparation, but I think if you feel really prepared and then if they throw something in the room to you, you're able to pivot, you know, and and not lose everything. And, you know, confidence is so important. I know, I know that's hard. How do you get confidence if you're not, not booking? And But if you're prepared, you're confident, and you also realize that you're there 
not just for that job. You're there to make relationships and to be part of this world that we're in. And that the chances are you're not going to book it. it. You know, when you get the call, that's the exception. And then I guess that's sort of the, the gravy. You go, I got this one. I may not get the next one, but I got this one. So that, that's great. But, you know, I know actors who have been doing this as long as I have, who get so nervous and are so talented and they're never as good in the room as they are on film. And then I know people who are great in the room who are never <laughs> quite as great when you, you put them on film. So they are two different skills. But unfortunately, you have to be able to do the first usually to get the second. Amazing. Well, again, Eric, thank you so much for being here. It was a pleasure to meet you, pleasure to talk to you. And uh, hopefully hopefully we can, we can see what you do next uh, sooner rather than later. That's great. Thank you for your time. Thanks, as always, to our brilliant producer, Jamie Muffet, and to the whole team at Backstage, Samantha Sherlock, Mark Stinson, Caitlin Watkins, and of course, Casey Howe. Visit Backstage.com, and don't forget, you can subscribe to Backstage with code ENVELOPE at checkout for a free trial. 100% free, you simply cannot beat that. For more exclusive content, find us on Facebook and Twitter, at In The Envelope, and subscribe, share, and leave a comment. Who should we interview next? Let us know. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time for another peek in the envelope.